Hey, welcome. Eight minutes after the hour. Gary Ongons, glad to have you with us. If you just tuned in now, you missed a great conversation with Dr. John Lott. He was on in the first hour. Pleased to tell you that uh, Garson is in from Graffs. We've got Dale in from the CPOA. we got Chuck Basie, State Representative, Second Amendment supporter on board. Uh, and before we go to Garson to find out uh, what firearms he's uh, going to hire, highlight, uh, let's check in with Dale, who wants, he said during the commercial he wanted to talk about, or during the news, that he wanted to talk about uh, pending legislation. Well, the only thing I was going to mention was, as you were asking Chuck about anti-gun legislation, was the fact that on rare occasion, and I wish they do it more often, except that it takes time, the legislature will take up one of those back guano crazy anti-gun bills just for entertainment value and, and make the bill sponsor get up and actually put their nickel on the counter and say, yes, I really support this crazy, crazy idea and sometimes put other legislators on that side of the aisle, you, you know, back them into, you actually want to support this? And that's what you want to tell your constituents? It's entertainment. That's all. <laughs> it's entertainment. Well, I can't put them on the spot just to titch, uh, which I guess is really what they want to do. Um, you, you did, uh, ladies and gentlemen, understand that Dale said, put your nickel on the table. Which gives you an idea how old he is. Um, nickel today is like, who cares? Uh, your buck on the table might be uh, uh, the appropriate equivalent in today's inflated currency state. Uh, give it, a, give it a few weeks. He was talking. <laughs> yeah. He was talking about a wooden nickel. <laughs> Probably. In the meantime, uh, graphs. Uh, Garson is in for graphs, and uh, we'll find out what. Uh, so you bought that firearm you talked about last oh, time oh, you were yeah. on. Oh yeah. I knew you were weak about it. I, I knew you were, you're just you were looking at it longingly and lovingly, and I thought, oh boy. Well, it, it took so long to come in because of all the uh, shipping delays out of Texas that I, I went ahead and put it on an order and paid for it before it even showed up. <laughs> this, you know the old saying: it's like giving somebody a raise before you fire them, so they're losing a better job. <laughs> you come on the show and you tell them about this terrific firearm, and then you buy it out before anybody can. Well, get we, the, we got something like ten pistols in that shipment, and three of them sold before we even un finished unboxing the rest. I mean, it wow. was yeah, it was crazy. So, what are you highlighting today? So these are readily available. Um, somebody just refinished a batch of Zestava. M70 um, pistols. We've got one at the shop. I didn't bring it with me, so it would still be there. Um, but it's a little tiny pocket pistol uh, in 32 ACP. Um, I, I believe it was used in the uh, Yugoslavian or Czech military um, and police. So um, they're they're durable little heavy concealed carry guns. I mean, they're just stout little guns. Um, not very pretty, of course. You know, being you know, West Eastern Europe in the 70s, but um, they're nice little guns, and, um, you know, they're fairly reliable, um, good carry piece. Not my favorite caliber. They did make those in a, in a 380, which I would prefer, but um, the ones that are the ones that they refinished and have, like, a few hundred available of right now are the 32 ACPs, and they're in, they're in fairly decent shape. I don't think they're that, that bad looking, and I, you know, I have a... Uh not as a Stava, but a Soviet block, you know, handgun. And they, they, built, they built them to last. They yeah, did oh, that. oh, yeah. 
Yeah. I've got a CZ-52. And yeah, a those are awesome guns. Gun. Yeah. Which, which caliber is yours in? Uh, you know, it's the... Uh, the 7.62? Yes, thanks. Yeah, yeah, those are awesome. Probably and that's 25. a good round. Yeah. That's an awesome Neck round. Down. <laughs> yeah. So we got, All right, what, what, else, what else you got? Um, if it's still there, um, there's also a Colt Cobra um, revolver. Whoa. Um, that was pretty nice. Um, in stainless, of course. Um, there was even a AR a consignment AR pistol in 300 blackout. Really? Yep. Uh, we got a Tika bolt gun and 22 long rifle. That was that was pretty slick. I was playing with that for a minute. I almost brought that with me, but I don't have any more money, so I decided to leave that <laughs> at the shop. Yeah, I did. I would come home broke at the end of the week. I'd be living in the street. I'd have a lot of guns, but I'd be living in the street. Oh yeah, I'm, uh, I'm pushing around a shopping cart that. Yeah. Is fairly well armed. <laughs> yeah, that no one would dare steal. Um, all right, so somebody called, and I, I almost hesitate to bring this up because we talk about it every single week. It, it seems like for the entire year. Why is there still a shortage of ammo? Because you're buying it. Yeah, because it's all been bought. It's probably a little... It's not, we're buying it. It's been bought. Well, I mean, it's just like toilet paper. The margins on ammo are so slim that everyone that makes ammo makes all the ammo they can make all the time. So there's no more capacity to be had without, you know, an outlay of millions and millions of dollars. So there, there's no room to grow. And, you know, the second this boom stops, anyone that did make an investment to grow is probably going to go out of business because they'll no longer be able to support the extra lines they added to keep up with the current demand. Yeah. Buy Remington. When when the supply returns, or if, well, it's still there. If, if it's just you know, there's people that are buying ammo they don't need because it's you know hard to find and stockpiling it, or they're buying it specifically to resell because they know they can throw it on Gunbroker and get four or five times MSRP for it because some other guy, you know, wasn't as lucky and didn't get his allotment of ammo. But I mean, it's not readily available on the shelves unless some places you can get it and pay a dollar a round or something to Yeah, the, no, I'm to not that doing effect. that. No. So what I was going to say is it, when it you know when it's again readily available and But that's and the some, other thing. Stop paying a dollar a round for ammo. If you stop buying it a dollar a round, these guys that are trying to profiteer on it are going to get shafted and this will go back to normal a lot quicker. You know, there is a a a, cons a conservation response to this and this is why i don't like price gouging laws if they're charging that much you'll only buy what you need which means there'll be some ammo left over for somebody else if they continue to charge uh you know what it cost originally then people will will do what they did with toilet paper and a lot of people won't be able to get any ammo at all so uh, you know i'm not a fan of price gouging but in the world of economics it's like a telegraph it sends a signal out there, you know, bring it here, get it here, we need it here. Yeah, and we, we took another approach to that. We're, we're rationing what people can buy, um, and then some people have tried to circumnavigate that by buying their full allotment and then buying their full allotment again. Um, so we're working on getting that fixed so people can't put in a dozen orders for the same thing over and over again. Um, but, yeah, we're, we're rationing everything on our website right now um, to kind of, you know, spread it around and make everyone... You know, give everyone a chance at something. My concern was when the dust settles, are the prices going to 
go? Are the prices going to be what they used to be? Or no, they're going to drop. They're the the people that are really? ever buying at the wholesale level and finally get these orders in. They're going to have to move it, and yeah, that means it sales. It's the immutable laws of supply and demand, Dale. Well, you uh, when the, when the uh, supply increases and the demand decreases, the prices will come back down. In the meantime, I mean, uh, remember we're up brand new three hundred and fifty dollars ARs. I'm sorry. Uh, what? Um, was it eight years ago now? When the AR market fell through the floor, you could buy brand new ARs for three hundred and fifty bucks. Yeah. Um, anyway, at, at retail, that's not even at wholesale. Yeah, um, I don't, I don't see that part happening for, for quite a while again. But in the meantime, we're up against the clock. But when we come back, we'll take your phone calls. And uh, a friends of the NRA event is uh, in the shoot. We'll find out about that from Brent. You are listening to Gary on Guns Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. Hey, welcome. 21 minutes after the hour. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. Just turn the radio on. You should know that Garson is in from Graffs. We uh, also have uh, State Representative Chuck Basie, Second Amendment supporter. Dale Robertson, CPOA, though he's really here kind of, uh, what, would, what would you say, kind of like the legal authority? I, I do. I practice some in firearms law, and so I try to you know, provide the balance between law enforcement and Second Amendment and whatever else comes along. Yeah, and and he's really great with anecdotes because he remembers them from when he was a kid at <laughs> uh, the turn of the last century. Uh, and in, in the meantime, let's go All to the I phones. I can remember. Yeah, let's go to the phones. Uh, we'll start off with the uh, Friends of the NRA event because the venue has changed. Brent, welcome. Hey, how are you this morning? Doing great. Uh, yes, the the event ha venue has changed. Uh, last year was the first year, and I don't know. I think the Friends of NRA started in 1992. Last year was the first year we didn't have an event uh, scheduled in March. We rescheduled it two or three times. Each time it was shot down because of uh, COVID concerns. And uh, so... We had it scheduled for March of this year. It was again shot down. So we have moved that to the Cooper County Fairgrounds in Boonville. It will be July the 10th, and uh, you can get tickets online. Cooper County? You know who represents Cooper County? I do. I now pronounce he, you man and representative. Okay. He's, he's my representative. Yeah. So it's going to be at the fairgrounds in Cooper County, and when is the date again? July the 10th. July 10th. And I assume that it'll be like other events that I've been to at the NRA where they have uh, uh, displays and things like that? Displays and games and win guns and uh, good eats, and then we'll have an auction, and I'll be the auctioneer. Sounds like a great way to spend the day. All right. Uh, Brent, where, if there's a website they can go to to get more information? Oh, uh, I think it's friendsofnra.org. Friendsofnra.org. And which which Friends of the NRA banquet is that? Columbia. The Columbia banquet? Okay. Because no. I know our Mexico banquet is still uh, tentatively scheduled for its normal time this year. Yeah, it's the Columbia banquet. Hey, Great. Brent, uh, I understand you're getting hassled at the chiropractor by some old man I know. Yes, he's given me a hard time a few times, but uh, we, we've got an understanding. Okay. <laughs> That's my dad. So, anyway. Oh, is that really your dad? Yeah. 
No, Brent's not my dad. My dad's, <laughs> no, I know my Brent's dad's not your Brent. dad. I'm just, yeah. I didn't know your father was a chiropractor. No, he's uh, a patient there, and they just happen to be there at the same time. Oh, I see. Now yeah. I got it. Okay. Well, that took some explaining. All right. <laughs> yeah, well, at least, uh, least you got your super belt, and you're not blowing smoke today, Gary. <laughs> that super belt is really remarkable. Uh, all right. Thanks, Brent. Thanks. Is that like a girdle or something? On the Gary Nolan Show. What? what? Is that like a girdle or something? There is a go to um, look it up on the web. It's uh, the Super Belt, and it's made right here in Colombia. And it's not leather, but it looks like leather. The difference is you can't harm this thing. I watched this guy pull a truck with his belt, and it does no look damage. like leather, huh? It does look like leather. Yeah, it looks like leather, but it's not. You can actually clean it with bleach. Wow. And when you think about it, you know, you, you hit the men's comfort station and, uh, you know, your belt hits the floor and who knows what's on the floor. And leather, uh, as I understand it, uh, could be a breeding ground. Uh, and you can't exactly wipe them down, a leather belt down with, uh, uh, <laughs> with bleach, but you can with these belts. Yeah, but the I've beauty got a of few it is. carry belts that look like some of their embarrassing belts there at the bottom. <laughs> well, they have uh, dress belts that are a little bit narrower, and then uh, the regular belt for your for your jeans. And um, as a concealed carry uh, uh, holster uh, belt, rather, it's great because it doesn't roll, and it lasts forever. Oh heck, and they're cheaper than most of the concealed carry belts I own too. Yeah, I'm telling you. Interesting. And he'll custom make it. He he'll custom make it. He's gonna. I'm, I invited him to back on the, be back on the show. Uh, who who needs a custom-made belt? That seems kind of bad. <laughs> you know, but look at that. At that price and that kind of quality, that's a steal. Uh, and it is just, it is a remarkable belt. You, I'm not getting, just so you folks know, I'm not getting paid to endorse the product. I tried the product. I thought it was great. Uh, and that's why I mentioned it. Uh, but he makes them right here in, in central Missouri, right here. Uh, uh, and, and they're really, really good. So, thought I'd throw that out there. TheSuperBelt.com. Let me go to the phones here, and uh, let's chat with Mike. Mike, welcome. Glad to have you on Gary on Guns. Hey, good morning, guys. Just a couple of quick comments. I've been hearing from lots of gun shop owners. It's going to be a couple of years before ammo gets back to normal. And I'm wondering if they're going to have any events up at Green Valley. I remember up there for a few years. But I wanted to talk to you, get your opinion on something that's been bugging me. You know, I've been watching Biden's handlers do things. To just to anger people, knowing that people are going to do stupid, violent things, and they'll just use that as a reason to even attack the Second Amendment even more so. And I was wondering if you had an opinion on that. And I know you don't have much time, so I'll get off and listen. Well, we'll have to circle back to that. <laughs> circle back to that. Oh, you took you took a, a, a tip from Miss um, Sucky. <laughs> <sighs> All right, uh, let's go to the uh, to the guy who's run for office and uh, let him start. Chuck, um, I, I I don't know really know what to say. I um, um, I'd have to think about it for a while, Gary. To be honest <laughs> with you. All right. Well, I, uh, here's what I think. Uh, I think uh, they would love to get something through. Uh, they want to let their constituents know that they're solidly in the anti-gun corner. Uh, but I think they know at the end of the day they're limited to just some kinds of executive orders uh, at the federal level. 
Uh, and even those might be challenged at the Supreme Court. And if it goes there, they'd lose. I, I was struggling to say it. I, I just hope that there is enough Democrats that would oppose this stuff. Because uh, a lot of the Democrats are from gun-friendly states. And I, I would just, uh, I keep thinking of Mr. Manchin. Um, he claims to be a moderate, but he continues to support that uh, agenda on the left all the time. So and um, that's what I was, I just hate to say it, but anyway. I, I was talking with a friend of mine um, who's also in the, in the industry, and he was saying that they're, they're doing their best to maintain, they're going to do their best to maintain the status quo because it's such a profitable moneymaker for both sides the way it is now. Yeah, it, it wouldn't put it past uh, some politicians to uh, to arrange that. But uh, at the end of the day, I don't I don't see much going through. But that doesn't mean you can go to sleep because uh, that's what they did in Virginia, and look what happened to them. Uh, it doesn't take long for the for the tide to turn. Eight seven four ninety three ninety. Toll free numbers eight hundred five two nine five five seven two. You're listening to Gary on Guns. Chuck Basie, state representative, on board with us. We've got Dale Roberts, the CPOA. He's in with us. And then uh, Garson from Graffs, uh, who's told us about uh, some uh, firearms that you can actually buy. You can actually go down to Graffs in Mexico and get these guns. Uh, so if your local dealer is, uh, you know, the guy that's right around the corner doesn't have any, they do. Uh, anyway, And, and we uh, do have a little bit of ammo saved back with most of those guns. Yeah, otherwise they're they're buying a, a a club, which isn't anywhere near as as effective. Uh, all right, so uh, on Thursday, uh, and this of course uh, does not apply to the state of Missouri, but it is uh, nonetheless interesting. In Oregon, they have passed a law that you could get in trouble if you don't store your firearms the way the state wants you to. Um, uh, we all believe in storing your firearms safely, but I think this goes too far. We'll kind of kick that around in the next segment of Gary on Guns on Hot Talk, 93.9 Eagle. Hey, welcome. It is 35 minutes after the hour. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you, Chuck Basie, state representative, Second Amendment supporter. He is uh, on board with us this morning, so is Garson from Graffs and Dale Roberts, the CPOA. Uh, before I get into this story about, uh, you know, gun safety, and it, that's really what it amounts to, storing your guns safely, um, let me go back to Garson and ask him about ammo. Um, the forty-five ACP, nine mil, um, anything? It's trickling in. Um, we just got some Winchester stuff over the course of the last two weeks, um, but it, it doesn't last for more than a few hours on the website. Um, what about that twenty-two TCM? Is that still backlogged? Yes, we have not received a shipment of that in a while, and I think that's because they're concentrating on more higher demand calibers. But um, it, it is it is coming, just I don't know when. Well, you know the beauty of that is that uh, I could just switch mine out and make make it a nine millimeter if I'm running low. Yep. Yeah, I got the double barrel gun as well, or the the two barrel gun. I guess I shouldn't say double barrel. <laughs> yeah, it's a, a slightly different thing, but you get the idea. Uh, that's the Rock Island 1911. Uh, 22 TCM if you're interested out there. Uh, in the meantime, uh, there is a law that they are, they're trying to pass, uh, and, and this is uh, going on in Oregon. Uh, government 
mandated standards, writes the NRA, for storing a firearm, rendering a person's firearm useless when needed for self-defense. It's a matter of personal responsibility, they write, not government oversight. The bill requires firearms to be locked when not in use, even at home and during transportation. Uh, failing to do so could cost you 500 to $2,000 and result in... Uh, misdemeanor charges for a violation uh, which are imposed on each firearm uh, and it doesn't stop there they say it victimizes gun owners who suffer loss or theft of their property by imposing fines and strict liability on them rather than the thief for up to two years following the theft isn't that uh, victim shaming well it, it's it's victim blaming that's for sure uh, you know, I, I believe that you should have a safe. I believe that you should store your firearms safely if you can. Uh, there are some limitations. Maybe you're renting a property and you, you can't get a great big steel safe like we like. But still, you you know... Well, this is, this is going after the people that need protection the most and have the least means to protect themselves. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if I have to lock my firearm up, and something happens, well, how do I defend myself? Do I tell them, wait a minute? I think that would be reasonable. You just tell the, the crook, to, can you just hold on a second? Let me Time get, out. My, get my gun out of the safe <laughs> real quick and get loaded. Um, just give me a few minutes. Yeah, hang on just a second. Wait a minute, I've almost got it. Yeah, wait a minute. Okay, where, where let's are my glass, go. Where are my glasses? <laughs> oh, and, that's just ugly. And Chuck, that's, you know, that, the interesting thing about that, I was, as I was saying earlier, I was just listening to the audio of the oral arguments at the U.S. Supreme Court on the Heller decision um, in District of Columbia. And one of the, you know, one of the components of that, the district district's ordinance was that firearms had to be locked at all times. And the attorney for the district said, oh, you know, you just, it's a three-digit, you know, combination lock on your gun. You just takes two seconds to undo it and no way, you know, you can defend yourself. And I think it's Scalia's voice that piped up and said, well, actually, you know, first you have to find the light switch on your bedside lamp. Then you have to find your reading glasses. And by then the other justices are laughing because they realize, yeah, it's not that easy in the middle of the night to turn on the light and find your reading glasses and go through a combination series and do all these steps in order to be able to protect yourself when you don't have a lot of time. So it'd be interesting to see what the Supremes thought of that statute if it is enacted and goes up who listens to old supreme court you're you you've, <laughs> you're that's, the, a, you're that's making... a pretty famous thing though what is i'll admit scalia's oh, um, oh yeah. i'll admit it's it's nerdy i'll own it yeah uh i'm sure garson does that too don't you garson on your way to work in the morning you you play old uh, supreme court case audio and listen to them on on the road I, I didn't even know you could do that. Yeah, I didn't either. Where do you get the audio? Where do you, do you have? Where do you get the audio for that? They there's a web page called Oye O Y E Z. I think it's Oye dot org. And they, Oye como va? Uh, yeah, it's the Santana Isn't that a song? and yeah, yeah and the <laughs> Supreme Court. Um, Oye dot org, I think it is, and they have pretty much uh, oral arguments for the the history of the U.S. Supreme Court. And if you go on the on that page, you can listen to the oral argument. You can see the words of the decision. You know, if you want to 
read it at the same time you're listening and they have copies of the decisions and you know tons of other information and it's really informative you know listening to the oral argument on the heller decision listening to the justices themselves talk about what they thought the second amendment means and things of that sort and as i said you could do that for you know roe versus wade or any other supreme court decision um and drill down to legal history and then in his spare time, when he really wants to enjoy himself, he watches C-SPAN. Um, this man has got no life. Uh, no, I, yeah, that's true. Um, so they record, they audio record all the cases, and how long have they been doing that? Forever. To my knowledge, for as long as the technology has existed. And the funny thing was, sometime around late 80s, I think, maybe early 90s, they gave up. I think it was a law professor, permission to have access to those recordings so that he could write a book about the court. And then when he wrote the book, he released the recordings. And I think the book was called May It Please the Court. And, you know, if you bought the two-volume set, you got the book and a set of, you know, cassette tapes or whatever with all these recordings. And the court got really mad that he had released these tapes because they had never been out before. And at the time, I thought, now, in a lawsuit like that, who's going to win? You, you know, if it's the <laughs> Supreme Court versus an author. Um, but as it turned out, the court said, okay, those tapes are public now, and we're off to the races. I feel bad for Dale's dogs. Oh, they get attention. It's just, I don't, yeah. Yeah. Well, they still have to listen to this, too, though. Oh, yeah, that's true. They get a lot of sleep, Carson. They get a lot of sleep, I'll tell you that. Not a lot of exercise, but a lot of sleep. <laughs> um, ghost guns. Uh, that there's a uh, an article uh, talking about some of the things that uh, are on Biden's hit list. Uh, the so-called ghost guns they write at bearing arms, purchased in parts and later assembled by their owners, aren't tracked by federal law enforcement agencies. Every, every town proposes uh, Mr. Biden's Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms and Explosives reclassify them ghost guns as firearms and requiring them to carry serial numbers to be traced like other guns. I uh, I got a question here. What if you had a a mill and you could, you know, you know, CNC you get the blueprint off the web. So that's always been legal. You I mean, if you remember Shotgun News, you used to be able to read articles about how to turn a parts kit into a firearm again. And as long as it was for personal use and not for resale, you're fully within your right to do that. It's these 80% lowers that have come out that have made it accessible for even, you know, people with no mechanical skills at all to cobble a gun together. And I, I think that's just made it too mainstream that, you know, they don't want to ignore it anymore. But, you know, there are, there's, there's a guy who has a, a 3D printing uh, software that he's made available uh, so that if I have a 3D printer, I can print my gun. Uh, if I'm handy and I have, uh, you know, the, the specs uh, and the equipment, I could mill my own gun. How would they know? I mean, why would they go after this now? It's not as though it makes a big difference. It doesn't. And we don't see a lot of crimes that are, you know, well, we would have solved that two years ago if only it had a serial number. What's the point of this? Any ideas, Carson? No, but I missed the point on the on the eighty percent guns 
to begin with. I, I think they're dumb. And the people and the people that think, oh, well, I'm going to have a gun after they take all the other guns, what good's that gun going to do you when all the other guns are gone? Well, I I don't see any point in doing it either. I mean, I'm in your corner. I'd rather have the professionals that that uh, do this for a living assemble it and, and, and machine it for me. Uh, but, you know, there are people who like to build, uh, you know, toy cars and model planes and things like that. Maybe this is just something that they enjoy doing that I sure the and government I, I get that but the people that are, the people that are getting them thinking that it's a non-serialized gun and it's going to be safe from any kind of confiscation are, are fooling themselves and if they've waited that long to where that gun actually becomes necessary they've missed the boat and every other real patriot's probably already been imprisoned or killed <laughs> well that's a cheerful outlook <laughs> wow all right, we're going out on a happy note. You're listening to Carry On Guns. Back to wrap it up on Hot Talk 93.90. Hey, welcome. It is 50.50, 50 minutes after the hour. Uh, if you just tuned in, Garson is in from Graffs in Mexico, Missouri. Told us about uh, some firearms they've got down there. If you're looking, that's a good place to start. Uh, we also have a Second Amendment uh, supporting state legislator who is uh, on the program regularly. Uh, and uh, Chuck Basie has uh, introduced legislation to uh, to preserve uh, and protect the police. And, and I mean, he's really done some great work. Glad to have him on board. And uh, Dale Roberts of the CPOA, uh, who has uh, really given us the, uh, the legal spin on all of today's news. Uh, I'm going to ask you guys about where you like to go shooting. Uh, but before I do that, I want to get the, the call in from Rick's and uh, find out what's on his mind before we run out of show. Rex, welcome. Glad to have you on Gary on Guns. Thank you. Morning. Morning. Uh, question. I was trying to do some research on this chief law enforcement officer that I keep hearing about and I've heard about for 60 years at the sheriff's uh, Cleo of the county, you know. Anyhow, I ran across an article uh, or several where they was talking about in, uh, in 2011, the state of Missouri, whether it was the Senate or House bill, I don't remember, was trying to pass a law that would make it a crime, or not a crime, but it required any federal law enforcement, FBI, Homeland Security, anybody, before they could serve a warrant or make an arrest in the state of Missouri, would have to clear it and get the approval of the county sheriff. And I must have been asleep that year. I missed that. Whatever I'm coming that, do any of you guys know anything about it? Chuck? I I don't recall. I don't I'm not familiar with that at all. Sorry. Dale? Well, I was gonna say for starters, there are as we were saying earlier, there are legislators who file bills with some crazy ideas and that doesn't mean they're ever gonna go anywhere. So, yeah. you know, that may be out there, but I don't know of it passing. It was kind of interesting, but I thought, boy, that'd be, a, you know, in a small rural county, it might be workable for the I, sheriff. But you get into a big metro county or something like Kansas City or Springfield, well, that could be a nightmare. Well, uh, Rex, um, Dale hit on a good point. Uh, when bill fit filing starts, I, I've noticed that every year. The media will pick up on uh, several pieces of legislation, and they, and they act like it is actually sitting on the governor's desk waiting for him to sign it. Uh, and yeah. it, it hadn't even had a hearing, and it probably never will, and, and they, they do that on a regular basis. Yeah. So yeah. That, that might have been the case here. 
And the other part of that equation is that I have seen countless, you know, media reports on a bill. And then I read the bill and I think that those, you can't be talking about the same thing. What the media said (laughs) and what the bill said. Yeah. 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 Well, on that Cleo, chief law enforcement officer, I never did find it codified in a state or federal law that the sheriff was the final say-so within a county. Every time I've run across it, it was saying it was common law. So I still don't know, you know, like I say, I've heard for 60 years, but I don't know how actual, factually it, it, true it is. Well, I've only heard it for 40 years because I'm way younger than you, <laughs> but I've always heard that too. Yeah. Oh, good. Anyhow, good. You guys, thank you. Appreciate that. All right, Rex, thank you. Uh, there, my producer has a cough. I, it just, it, randomly it comes up and, and we just... Um, are, are you okay? I'm fine. I, uh, sorry I didn't turn off my mic. Okay. I just want to, you know, I'm checking because uh, as one of the most talented talk show hosts in the world, <coughs> I see, there it is again. Back. I don't understand <laughs> it. Uh, I, I, I do I care about you, and I, I want to make sure that you're okay and, you know, um, that you get to uh, work with me and, and see my gorgeous <coughs> face. <coughs> Back again. Got to get you. Got to get you to a doctor. We got to get uh, that fixed. And it's spreading. Uh, if he goes down, I got dibs on his wallet. <laughs> <laughs> you pick his pocket. All you're going to get is practice. I don't know why <laughs> you'd even care. Uh, let me go around the table here and find out. Um, it, and I'll start with Garson. Where is your favorite place to go shooting? Uh, my private club, Green Valley. Green Valley. That's my favorite place. Uh, why? Why do you like it? Um, it's a bunch of ranges. Uh, we've got moving targets, tons of steel. Um, there's actually two locations. Uh, the Columbia Range is a little smaller, but uh, that's the original facility. It's just a great, great place. Um, and, you know, normally I can go there and have a range all to myself and don't have to worry about what other people are doing, um, like the public range at um, Finger Lakes. Yeah, that's... I really like Green Valley. I've 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 shot a Target Masters, uh, but Green Valley is my favorite place uh, because, like you pointed out, there so you barrier uh, barricade shoot, paper targets, uh, plates. Uh, it's just a it, it it's great. I love going out there. Uh, Chuck, where do you like to go? We usually just shoot on one of the farms, and I I have that luxury where my, my brothers, dad, and I we have uh, acreage in Howard County and Western Boone County, so we shoot shoot out there. And my favorite time to shoot is uh, in the fall because we enjoy shooting leftover pumpkins, and that's very entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you give me the address uh, to that farm, and it'll become my favorite place to shoot too. Yes. Uh, so, uh, Dale, where do you shoot? Uh, Green Valley, occasionally, <coughs> excuse me, Target Masters is just a few blocks from my office, and it's indoors, so, you know, weather, daylight, doesn't matter, you can shoot indoors, but obviously an indoor range has limitations, and Target Masters, I mean, uh, Green Valley is safe, you know, I definitely don't go to a public range, so Green Valley's it. It's interesting that we all like Green Valley, uh, except Chuck, of course, who has his own shooting range right in his own backyard um but it is it's a great place to go shooting but wherever you go um do go i mean just the more you practice the better you are and and we all know that uh you know it it is the target and what's beyond that counts if we ever need our firearm for self-defense and the and the way to to get to the point where you can dependably do that is to practice 
practice, practice. Uh, so go wherever you're comfortable. But it is uh, it is interesting. What, what I've, I've only got a couple of seconds. Let me ask uh, Garson. Why do you not like the public uh, places? I've been swept there more times than I've touched a broom in my entire life. <laughs> All right. Guys, thanks for being with us for Gary on Guns. Whatever it is in life that you want, go out and get it. Don't wait for the government to drop it in your lap. You make it happen. You seize the day. Carpe diem, Gwen, baby. I am coming home.